0: At least, according to a few of the players. Obviously, not the guy who won the tournament, but in that case, happened to be the guy who finished second. But <laughs> uh, it's going to be. Uh, looks like good uh, a wind, a windy weekend. Probably some dry greens. Uh, they're expecting almost uh, uh, difficult scoring c- uh, conditions with uh, with the wind coming up. You know, Shinnecock always plays very difficult, and. Uh, It's
1: it's great because the U.S. Open is back to more of a classic U.S. Open venue in Shinnecock's. It's the third time they've hosted the event. It's uh, they've hosted the only club who's hosted in all three centuries that the U.S. Open's been going on, and it's a great classic uh, venue. Been around for forever. It was was built in the late 1800s and uh, recently redid by. Uh, Bill and ben, ben Crenshaw, and it, it's a it's a fantastic layout. And it's also very difficult, and the wind always blows there. And uh, it, it's just,
0: it's going to be a great event. I was listening to Tony Jacklin. On, they, they had him on PGA Tour radio, and he was saying what a great track he thought it was. And I was wondering, you've played a lot of great tracks in the country. Do you prefer a great, really tough track or a great track that maybe isn't as tough? Do you can... I mean, Shinnecock, obviously, one of the toughest courses in the country. You know, I I think
1: a hard golf course does not necessarily mean a good golf course. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love the style of play of Shinnecock. You know, dunesy on, you know, uh, sandy soil, uh, you know, close (laughs) to the ocean. And you know it's 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 a you know it's a American Lynx golf course and uh, one of my favorite architects is Seth Rayner and uh, Seth Rayner you know is a Golden Age golf course architect he was a he and C.B. C. McDonald were kind of the the second architects at uh, at Shinnecock Hills and and their golf courses they're you know they're classic designs they use a lot of what are called template holes. Uh, which is number seven is a Radan Hole they call it, and uh, Radan Hole is a, a par three that uh, kind of has a uh, kidney bean shaped uh, green. That's generally the the right half of the green is much higher than the left, and there's a lot of fall off. And uh, the original Radan Hole is at North Berwick in Scotland, and I, I love that style of golf. So it's uh, this is one that
0: I, I really anticipate with excitement watching. Tiger has uh, had uh, some good experiences at Shinnecock, and uh, he's in the mix. And uh, the kind of course, you wonder with Tiger, his game, you know, I don't think is as dominant as it has been, certainly, in his in his career. But uh, also he's one of the smartest golfers of all time, and uh, he'll get a course like this where uh, a par is premium and a bogey is maybe okay sometimes. Yeah, He's got the mindset where uh, those kind of things, uh, he can handle that.
1: No, Nobody in the history of golf, uh, I think other than Jack Nicholas has been able to dissect a golf course better than Tiger Woods. And he, um, you know, rarely does he play overly aggressive. He works his way around the golf course and, you know, generally he can get, hit all the par fives in two or get it up near the green. And he, so he's going to, you know, he's going to birdie a high percentage of the par fives as he, if he's playing well. Uh, You know, make pars on the on the par threes, and then, you know, if he can, if he just plots his way along and kind of hits it in the middle of the greens of of the par fours, all of a sudden he's you know he's made six, seven, eight birdies for a round uh, in his heyday. So this this is a perfect golf course for for Tiger. Um, It's long, but it's not overly long, so he doesn't necessarily have to hit driver. And um, you know, I, I. I'm anxious to see how Tiger plays this week. I'm not, I'm not overly last optimistic because he's putted so poorly the last his last two events. Um, but you know, there's signs of greatness there. So we'll, yeah, it, it would be fabulous if uh, Tiger and Phil were,
0: you know, kind of in the hunt on Sunday. I mean, it couldn't be any better. So. Yeah, I heard a couple of guys on Golf Channel talking about uh, Phil's winning earlier this year in Mexico. Uh, really almost, uh, they feel like jump-started the competitiveness in Tiger again mm-hmm. when Phil won again, so yeah. uh, I mean, that's great. Two great golfers going at it. Phil had a great quote. I know it's a fine line between testing the best players in the world to the greatest degree and then making it carnival golf. <laughs> so he uh, he speaks his mind about these kind of things, and he felt in 2004 that he got basically an unfair, unlucky bounce kind of stuff that happened a couple times to him. And yeah. uh, he really felt that way. He felt he, he lost the 2004 Open there because of that. So it, that's kind of interesting. You know, back
1: to your point, the uh,
0: you know, the last time it was here, the golf course kind of got away
1: from him. Uh, with the the it got really hot, and the gra- the type of gr- turf they had on on the on around the greens and in the fairways uh prior was ryegrass now it's fescue grass and the ryegrass tends to burn up much more quickly and uh, they were having to water greens in between play or in between players and um hopefully this year it's a little redemption for the us because the last couple venues have not been
0: not been great so hopefully getting back right. to a classic golf course here will uh will be good i'll finish with the opening segment david duvall is a. Uh Uh, He's pretty, uh, not controversial, but certainly speaks his mind as well. And he's been the number one player in the world, so he knows what he's talking about. Duvall looking forward to an old-fashioned U.S. Open with narrow fairways and punishing fescue rough. You go in there expecting to be challenged, expecting to get your teeth kicked in, expecting to make (laughs) some mistakes, make some metal mistakes. It sounds like it's going to be what you'd think a typical U.S. Open should be. I hope it plays out that way, putting a premium on accuracy off the tee, and into the green. So expect to get your teeth kicked <laughs> That's, uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> they've always said they they want
1: um, it, to... It's the hardest test in ma- the major championships. So uh, we'll see what happens this year. It, it hasn't necessarily been that way the last several
0: years. So We've got a great guest coming up, Sam Frogert. He is uh, on the grounds at the U.S. Open, so yeah. that'll be kind of fun. Yeah, it's going to be great to hear from Sam. Uh, Sam is the
1: founder of Eyeline Golf, which is a... Uh, Teaching and trading its product line. We've had Sam on the
0: show before, and he's always got some great takes on uh, on uh, everything going on. So, you're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald, with you 1380 KLIZ. The fan and streaming at Lakes Woods and Irons during this uh, U.S. Open week. Also available at Podcast One. Chris, very special guest who we've had before, and. uh, Nice to have him back because he's he's at the U.S. Open.
1: Yeah, I'm good friend Sam Froggatt from EyeLine uh, Golf. Sam's the developer of a lot of the great teaching aids out there and owns EyeLine Golf. Welcome in the back to the show, Sam.
2: Thanks. It's. Uh, I think we've made this an annual tradition, haven't we?
1: I think we Something have. Like that. I and I, I am I'm so happy that you're back in a major. We uh, yeah. He, he, was it last year or two years ago PGA that you got? Uh,
2: two years ago,
1: man, and got yeah, hit, been, hit.
2: This is my first time back in two years.
1: Hit hit by a golf cart and laid you up for about a year, almost. I think didn't it?
2: Yeah, it was a maintenance truck, and uh, so it broke a lot of stuff and had a few surgeries. But I'm back. I'm
1: good. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you're back, Sam. So, so we're we're taping this on Wednesday, the U.S. Open, the day before. Uh, yeah. You've been there. When did you get into? The...
2: We get in Sunday afternoon, so we we try to kind of scope out where we are, and then we spend the next three days on the putting green, typically.
1: Yeah, and give give us some of your some of your thoughts on the venue and and the players, and
2: you know. It, it's a part that's always fascinating there's two parts that's always fascinating about the u.s open one is the venues are not new i guess chambers bay would have been an exception to that but they typically have this amazing history uh and you can feel it just kind of pulling in and this is no exception i mean it's got i mean you're reminded of it everywhere but it's uh the people and it's just there's an aura about things like this that you just go, man, golf is just cool. I mean, it's like going to, you know, the Boston Garden or, you know, whatever to yeah. just be a part of something that that's like that. So that's always fascinating because they don't typically, they don't adapt the golf course to new era, you know, it's just, you got to, you know, tee it up and, and play it like they did years and years ago. And then the second part with the U.S. Open is that the field is so diverse. I mean, you've got... yes you got former champions, you got qualifiers from the, you know the web tour and the canadian tour, but you got college kids that um you know 2 weeks ago were playing the NCAA and here they are and they're hitting balls next to tiger and and Justin Thomas and Rick I mean it's just a fascinating thing and then for whatever reason this year it feels like the the international contingent is just maybe the maybe the whole game in general but man it is, it is an incredible international contingent, that, and you just go. These are golf is a global game that's, um, you know, people feel at home. They travel, they they get here. They got to tee it up with a you know ball and a club and a cup, and here we go. Let's let's go. In fact, it was funny this morning because because the conditions are miserable, and uh, you know you talk to the Europeans, they're like, bring it. it. We colder, rainier, windier, the better. <laughs> yeah, that
1: just plays <laughs> into their hand.
2: They love it. They just. I mean, I'm mean, i sure they're being facetious, frankly, but I think they're—you know—it's kind of that camaraderie of we're. It's not that they're tougher; it's that they play in it a lot more often. I think, or they just have worse weather over there. I think. For sure, <laughs> way to look at it.
1: <laughs> so, is it, is this weather, Sam? Is it you know? The, it seemed like the golf course Monday and Tuesday was playing. It seemed pretty firm. Uh, yeah. As a, you will, the, will this soften it up significantly? Absolutely. Or is
2: it, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah well especially because it's been raining and moist all day uh i don't know how much longer it'll stand but it started raining at eight o'clock this morning one way or the other and uh you know they were it was hard as a brick yesterday in fact i was talking to some players that went out and played um later in the afternoon just to feel what it was like you know that time of the day and they they said at times it was unplayable yesterday you know you just couldn't Greens were bumpy, hard as a brick. Mm-hmm. Couldn't land and couldn't, you know, couldn't do anything. This will absolutely change that. How long it'll take for it to dry back out? I don't have any idea. But uh, right now, it's you know, if you got an early tee time tomorrow, it's you got to take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, they were saying this morning some of the some of the talking heads about uh, it looks like the tee time on Thursday morning, the morning guys, could have a significant advantage over the afternoon guys because uh, they're expecting wind tomorrow afternoon, right?
2: Oh man, that'd be the worst combo. Right? <laughs> it dries out and it's windy, and you play in the morning and you got soft conditions and it's calm, that's that's got to be worth a shot or two, Chris. Don't you think? I,
1: I would think so. At least, I, I would say at least two shots.
2: Because uh, all you have to do to, to gain a shot is you hit a you hit a ball in there. That's in the morning. It sticks at ten feet. And you got a chance for birdie. In the afternoon, you hit one in there at ten feet and it releases, and now it's sixteen feet. Yeah, that's. That's a big difference percentage-wise in, in what putts you make from 16 versus, say, 10. Absolutely. And it's, there's not much to it to, you know, to, to make that happen. So it'll be – but you know what? It's U.S. Open. Sam, it's, have, big, it's big time.
1: Have you gotten yeah. to go out on the golf course at all? Have you, have you walked yeah. the course? Yeah, know, absolutely. I, I have not been to Shinnecock personally, but looking at it on TV and looking at you know the aerial photographs and that type of thing, you know the the greens look so big, but mm-hmm. there's so much fall off on them they're really small yep. greens with a lot of uh you know fall wow. off and and undulation, so they're really it put really puts a premium on iron play, isn't it?
2: Well, I'll give you an example Chris I'm in the whatever you call the eating tent whatever whatever that's called the hospitality thing or something and uh there's a guy in there who has a computer program whatever. And he's, he's not giving you the, it's not a topographical map. He has actually mapped the greens based on moisture. And wow. the idea being that, um, that's an umbrella being shaken out. <laughs> the idea being that um, the higher spots are going to be drier and the lower spots are going to be more moist. So on this, it's a color map so if if you're if the, the yellow the yellow portions of his map are those are the high spots well, it's fascinating now he wasn't he wasn't doing it because of moisture he was doing it to just let people know where they are but you you realize if if you're come if the pin is near a high spot you you have to hit a you, i mean you're so much better chipping it or putting it from 30 or 40 feet under the hole than if you're 15 feet above it because there's a chance there's a chance you're not going to keep it on the green from fifteen feet above it because mm. they're just, and they're and you're right because they are so big fairways are look like countries <laughs> but the and the greens are giant too, but they're just there's like a four four greens on each green it, i mean you've got to get it in the right one or you're it's like a bigger version of augusta.
0: And they've made a lot of the courses, a lot of the majors. The uh, fescue is the, the rough at the Masters is always uh, not much rough, really. But they say this mm-hmm. is a pretty penal in the rough here at uh, Shinnecock, huh?
2: Yeah, but you know what? You've got to really hit it crooked. I mean, these fairways are huge. I mean, they're really, really wide. To me, they look at. Now, from the tee, they look like not so much. But And then they give you, there's a first cut that's not so bad. But if you miss that, then you got to have. You got to have spotters because you're not going to find it. Because now you're in that. It's beautiful fescue, by the way. It's just, it's it's just beautiful. But um, I don't I don't think the tee shots are going to be the issue here. I think it's going to be can you put the second shot where it needs to be, and can you somehow get it in the hole from from whatever? Because I don't I, I don't think anybody's going to miss many fairways unless you just fan it.
1: Yeah, that's what it looks like. Sam, hanging around to the putting green like you do. Do you, you have a feel for any of the guys who you you think are really uh, rolling the ball well this week, or that it, that uh, because of their putting, I'll contend?
2: You know, it's so hard to tell because this is a really small putting green. Usually at a U.S. Open, you've got football fields for putting greens. One way or the other, either they build more or they, you know, like at Bethpage, they, they would take, you know, there's like three or four putting greens that they adapted from other greens that were on other courses that were near, you know, multiple courses. This is a really small putting green. This is a a putting green that you would find at any club. So you put 20 players on there. You know, nobody's hitting 20-footers. Sure. It's like a giant, you know, puzzle. So you don't see too many. I mean, you see today, everybody's, you know, they're working on their final drills, and they're really going through it. But they're 10-footers, 8-footers, 6-footers. So you don't you don't really get to see it. I mean, you it, what you see, I think Chris is the opposite. You see guys that are grinding. You know, they're they're they've got to get through this somehow. They're looking for some magical feeling or word or something. You know, at the last minute, because in 12 hours I can I'm gonna go play and possibly change my world. Right. Or you know, I'm hitting it so good and I'm putting it bad. My world will come to an end in 36 holes. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, you know, but but honestly, I think, um, you know, they're going to putt bad in part because if they don't hit it close, they're going to putt bad. Yes. <laughs> it, doesn't <matter. laughs> it doesn't matter how good a putter you are. You can't stop it. It, You know, good luck.
0: You're listening to our conversation with Sam Froggart from Eyeline Golf. He's at the U.S. Open, on the grounds at Shinnecock. Let's get back to that conversation.
1: Sam, Eyeline you, you, has all the best... Training aids out there, and you're responsible for most of those. What, what, uh, what are the players using this week? Uh...
2: You know, it's it's kind of our traditional. I I mean, we I've seen some things that are not new products, but new concepts to me. But you know, I think at one time yesterday, Chris, you know, we have the small putting mirror and the larger one too, for that matter. I think at one time we had eight mirrors on the green at the same time, and when you see the size of the putting green that's like there's one in every, <laughs> every few feet. right? But, you know, they're, they're constantly uh, working on just, let me just get in the right place. Let me get my setup right, my eyes right, face right, alignment right. Um, let me make sure my posture hasn't changed. My setup is consistent. And they'll hit 10 or 20 putts. And, um, you know, some guys are working a little bit on path. They'll put some tees down to make sure that the putter's coming on the inside or out, whatever they want on the right path. Uh, that is that is clearly the core and the part to me that's unusual is how many, because there's about 23 I think amateurs, something like that and I think 22 of them are college players <laughs> See, right, it's not just the average guy out there playing they all have them, they all have the mirror and it's yeah. because uh, all the tour players have the mirrors Sure. you know, I mean you just go down the, the the ranking of the top players in the world and there you go. So that's clear. I mean, we've seen the ball of steel. We've seen uh, different alignment uh, tools, and and um, you know, there's things like that. But this is again because the green's so small, they're hitting these short putts. But they're they're not taking any chances on on their setup being wrong.
0: Sam, for our listeners, the uh, novice or the uh, regular type player, week to week, uh, tell us a little bit about what the mirror can do for uh, for the Good average question. player's game. Yeah.
2: You know, so, so here's, if, if you just think about this, uh, the first thing, especially a weekend guy or whatever, our eyes are not finely tuned. They're just not. We we think we're aimed at the hole, and we're not. But we don't know it. So we hit putts, and, oh, that was a good putt. I misread it. No, you're never aimed at the hole. And so the first thing that the mirror gives me is I can stand behind it, however you want to put that, and line it up exactly precisely on my target line. That's a big deal. I mean, that's, you know, that's not the only reason why the mirror is in play, but that's a big, that's a big chunk of uncertainty that I eliminate. And then the, and then the next couple of parts are, um, I, I get into good posture. I look down in the mirror. It reflects what it sees obviously is my face. And there, the center line of the mirror is a good place for my eyes to be on that center line, both of my eyes, not cockeyed, not like one one above the line and one under the line. If I do that, I'm going to most accurately see. I'm going to see where I'm aimed. I'm going to see the hole properly. If my eyes are way inside the line, let's say more toward my toes, now I'm looking at it with parallax error is the name of it, but I'm looking at it from an angle and I don't see it properly. It's just that's just the way it works. So, by the time I get my eyes where they're supposed to be, uh, and then there's a there's a mark that's perpendicular to that center line that's that's how I line up the putter face. so, if you just think about that, I'm lined up the target, I've got my eyes so I can see the target properly, and the putter face is square to the target line. That's a long ways down the road to make a five footer I got to do some really bad things to make that mess <laughs> <laughs> right
0: You've taken a lot I mean, of the I'm, I'm, a lot of the guesswork I, out of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't hit it at the right speed, and if I might not read it right or something. But from short range, I'm in such good position to just pull the putter back four inches and hit it, you know, six or eight feet, and I'm gonna make I'm gonna make my share of putts without it. I'm, you know, I might be giving away a lot of two footers, three footers, four footers that just scare most people to death.
0: Right, exactly. Boy, that's well put. That's exactly what uh, the twice a week or once a week golfer needs to hear, and how to just. Uh Well, we've talked about it, Chris and I, a hundred times, but uh, the difference between uh, 91 and 87 when you go into the clubhouse, you feel like you're a champ at 87 and a chump at 91.
2: (laughs) Boy, that's that's brilliant. And, you know, the other part is every once in a while you get one of those four-footers on 18 or 9 to win win the bet or win the press or whatever. Man, you make that one, it's a good week. That's right. I mean, it's a good that's right. week. Yeah. That's just, yeah. I mean, that's why we play. We love to be competitive. It's the, best eight,
0: the best $8 you ever won in your life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or two bucks. I mean, it's like, whatever. You know, when, when my sons were young, we always we, we had a head cover. I have two sons, and, and uh, the head cover was the trophy. So we didn't play for money, but we played for that head cover every time we teed it up. Man, you get the head cover; it's a good day.
1: It's like we're in the, we're, <laughs> we're in the jersey in the Tour de France. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: exactly. It's yeah. like yeah, yeah. Let's play, and you know, putting greens and driving ranges. We were making up games constantly for the cover because if you had the cover, you were the target.
1: So, <laughs> so Sam, my, so much fun. One of my favorite aids that you guys have or training deals is, is the sweet roll. Yeah. And uh y- you can explain that a lot better than I can, but uh, tell our listeners about the sweet roll. I, I use Well,
2: a- that's great. We it, it, so the sweet roll is if you visualize if you visualize a stent meter we've kind of seen it a long kind of channel that, you know, when you raise it up the ball rolls off the end. It's it's kind of like that and 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 what makes it so important is that the ball rolls off of it. It doesn't roll sideways. There's no top spin, back spin, sidespin. So when it gets to the end of the in our case the, the sweet roll, it's rolling end over end. Well that's good to see because now as it as the ball rolls you see a true you see true break. I mean whatever it is it is. If it's straight, if it's gonna break a little or whatever. So with the sweet roll you find and there are colored dots on it, so depending upon how high on the on the on the rail you put the ball, obviously the, the higher you put it, the further it rolls. But if I put 10 rolls, if you will, on you know, if I put the ball on the red dot and I roll 10 of them, they're going to roll exactly the same distance because of gravity and all that. Yes. Well, that's so now I get to see what I think I saw. So in my teaching, what I'll do is because everybody wants to first of all, they, it's good for them to see what happens to a putt that's rolling end over end because it, it wants to go in the cup instead of squirt sideways. But the other side of it is I, I look at a putt, I do my best to read it and say, okay, here's where I think it ought to be. And I set the sweet roll down and I aim it at that dot and I roll it. And most of the time in the clinics and teaching that I do, they're never, ever high enough ever. Right. They're always, and, and that's when you begin to realize I, I need to get better at reading the greens, but it's not a. I don't need a device. I don't need a, a digital device to tell me certain things. I, I because when I go in the course, I need to look at the cup or look at the putt and get a sense of how the ball rolls. And so, what I typically do with people is just say, "Let's let's just kind of walk around and hit, you know, roll some putts, if you will." And by the time we get done, Chris with ten putts like that, they're so much better after just ten. I mean, they're they're just getting a sense of how you know, what, what this slope looks like to a putt. And if you do that consistently, then you're going to get better at that. And the other side, and what they do out here the most is after they find these putts, they, they draw the lines, uh, on the, on the green, if you will, with a, uh, another tool we call a face track that just lets them know, here's exactly the line to the cup on this speed. That's going to roll by the whole foot. Let's say that's, if that's the chosen speed you want. And, um, uh, now they now their practice routine is the the, the the lines that are on the on the putting green, square to the face, roll it one foot past, it's going to break in the cup. Well, that's the way to practice because now if you miss, you know it's on you, and you know probably why. If you roll it past more than a foot or less than a foot, speed was off. And if you roll at the right speed, you know you, you're going to make it because you've got the face is square. And if you miss it, the face was not square at impact. So that's what it's for. Without that. You're just guessing because, it, it, you know, you can practice all you want. But if to try to read a green with, with an improper roll, you're never going to get a good result.
0: Right. Boy, just and to think that you can get better in 10 putts, is, yeah. uh, it's incredible just to give yourself a little more confidence out there.
2: Oh, yeah. Because most people just literally don't have a sense of the, the merger of speed and line and, and if you see it. And the other part is that with the sweet roll, you're behind the putt rolling it and if you're just hitting putts to see you're standing to the side you just you still don't get a a decent view of it from the side
0: yeah it's a much different perspective
2: yep you see it exactly so it's it's been it's tremendous there's and and we see a little bit out here not too much this week just for the reason that it's so crowded but um but you know it's a it's pretty standard product there's probably 30 or 40 players at this point that use a sweet roll yeah it's
1: it's my favorite tool Sam yeah. Sam, you uh you gotta give us a pick for this week. Who are you?
2: Did you say pick? Yeah, who, who who's your <laughs> pick oh for the gosh. week? Oh my
0: gosh. One of the it, thirty it, guys with your stuff. <laughs> it's the
1: to me it's the oh hardest my gosh. it's the hardest event to pick a winner. because uh, 'cause you, we always have so many, you know, guys that you would never expect to win come out of the pack and win this event, so
2: well, in the other part, Chris, have you ever seen a field that has this many contenders? No,
1: oh, it's it's amazing. I,
2: I just don't remember it. I mean, there here's twenty. Pick one of those. Yeah. I mean, it's not
0: exactly in yeah. the old
2: days. It was like, well, there's Tiger, and then there's pick somebody else. Uh, you know, I don't know. I I really don't have any idea. Gosh. I mean, because if you pick one, that means you're betting against somebody. Good luck with that. I'm with you. I don't know. I've spent the last
1: three days racking my brain to try to to handicap the field, and I can't do it. No
2: way. No
0: way. I was going to ask you guys uh, what you think of, you know, and I get the ratings part of it for sure, The kind of the super super pairings they're doing to start Thursday and Friday. And, uh, like, it seems to me, I don't know this, but it seems like putting three Spanish guys together is a real – advantage for them they're comfortable with each other they're buddies sure and sure. it seems like that's an advantage whereas uh or although maybe maybe rom's uh as competitive with them
2: as with anybody else but uh, oh i don't think there's any i don't think there's any patriotic wishes here <laughs> <laughs> just 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 saying i think if we're from the same country i still want to beat you that's just the way it's going to be oh
0: for sure yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: yeah i don't I don't know i i don't I can't imagine I mean, are you gonna pick against Justin Thomas? I mean can you' gonna say that well, now that you're, like, you're not number one, you're not gonna win. I mean that's just crazy
0: yeah yeah <laughs> actually I, I love the super groups because you can tune in and oh, I, I do think too. it's I think it's Phil and Rory and Speeth and Tiger and Dustin and uh, it's oh, man. Uh, it's gonna be something to see.
2: I know it's fantastic, and it's not just seeing it here, it's seeing it. On T V you just sit there and you're going from this group to that group and you can keep track of everybody at once. It's the best.
1: Well the best. fantastic stuff, Sam. I always uh always appreciate you sharing your knowledge and insights and uh, My
0: pleasure. I'm glad you could come on with us.
2: I am too. It's been it's been fun. It's gonna be a great week.
0: How can people find your product, Sam?
2: E Y E L I N E G O L F dot com. And um, a lot of new things, Chris the january pga show we've introduced seven six of the seven new products that we have are on the market now so a lot of new things on there and um really fun so yeah, that's we, great have, stuff have fun looking great all right, stuff. you guys thanks so much for having me on thank you sam all right man that's See sam
0: froggert from my line golf great guest and he's there at uh, shinnecock giving us the bird's eye view so we love that and you're listening to lakes woods and irons on 1380 kliz Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons, 1380 KLIZ with Chris Foley, of course, and streaming at com. Colin McDonald with you. We're also at Podcast One now, so you can find us there as well. So we're out there, and I guess we're everywhere. U.S. Open Week, and we had a great guest, Sam Frogert from Eyeline Golf. Uh, sounds like some pretty simple tips, Chris, and people can just find it at com. You know, we, we always talk about exercising or
1: practicing, and that, yeah. that's a way you can definitely practice. and uh sam's got some just some great products the mirror uh the sweet world that we were talking about uh there's a deal called the slot trainer that i really like and uh just a number of
0: great tools to especially help you with your short game some of the uh boy just there's there's so many storylines happening right now all-time storyline you've got a tiger woods coming back and uh they we were just talking off mike they were talking on the golf channel at at 32 years old, when Tiger was uh, chasing Jack, and he looked back on it now, and at the time we kind of thought, well, he's not going to get four more. Well, he had 14 by the time he was 32. And, yeah. And if, uh, if you'd have taken uh, money down that he wouldn't have another one in the next 10 years, you, <laughs> every, almost everybody would have taken that bet. So that storyline, the number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson's playing fantastic. Yeah. He's going to be paired with Tiger, and he just got back to number one, and he looked invincible in Memphis. It looked like he wasn't even trying. And uh, Spieth trying to get back uh, his putting. I, I worry about Rory's putting and Spieth's putting this season, in particular, at a at a course like this.
1: Well, you know, we, we've talked about it before. Spieth had the you know four years ago the best. Uh, he was the best putting putting year in the history of golf, and um, you know, he, boy, he's he's really struggled this year. He's you know you don't hear people commentators talk about it but he he's definitely got the yips with the with the putts inside of 5 feet you just don't miss them like he does if he if he didn't so he's got to make some he he's got to make some radical changes or to kind of short circuit those yips um but you know you never know he he has moments of brilliance so if he if he could get uh get a hot hand with the putter you never know what uh Spieth could run away with it because he's sure hitting a great the uh all year. So we'll uh we'll see what happens there, but uh like we we're saying it's hard to hard to pick a winner. There's there's so many I don't want to say oddball winners, but the the US Open just brings out you know guys that uh that you don't think about winning. I mean, a guy like uh, like Lu- Lucas Glover I can't talk yeah. Lucas Glover. Uh, Jeff ogilvy who only won a couple other events on the p j tour wins wins the u s open
0: um, well, Jeff yeah. got that one given to him by two of the best players in the world yeah Steve Jones <laughs> you know for instance yeah um orville moody Orville moody when I was a kid, one of the most yeah. disappointing sports events in my life was I was getting to be a golf fan because of my dad and uh, some guy named Orville Moody wins the U.S. Open, <laughs> and I, I thought, oh, my. and I think that's the only tournament he ever won. I, it, he didn't win too many others, <laughs> that's for sure. Scott Simpson, another guy,
1: yeah, Hale or not Hale Irwin. Hale Irwin won everything. Andy North, another player, twice. Yeah, Hubert Green. Andy North won two U.S. Opens, so his it, only two wins, I believe. Yeah, I think it, those were his only two wins. Yeah. so it's uh, it it it's interesting how the U.S. Open brings out that player and not necessarily the you know, the the top ten player that you have on your radar or that you expect to play well that week. So
0: and uh, boy Rose has been playing fantastic and Thomas, you can't count them out. I just you just have a feeling they're always in the top ten of every tournament they play in it seems. And we've got three all time greats on tour right now. We talked about Rory and Spieth and Phil, who all have three legs of the Grand Slam, which is a pretty unique uh, time when three great players have all got three of the legs and uh, trying hard. Phil it's up now Phil's forty, gonna be forty eight this weekend, I think. And uh would be a, wouldn't be a bad birthday present. No, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, it would be a nice father's
1: day. <laughs> you know,
0: so it, yeah, it's uh
1: and I, I think that adds a element of uh of pressure to the to the event when you're uh, uh you know there's not a player on the planet who doesn't dream of winning the Grand Slam, especially after you win a couple of the majors. So uh, it it adds an element to it. It's interesting.
0: And uh, Tito's Handmade Vodka is the sponsor of our 19th hole here on Lakes, Woods, and Irons. And uh, we were talking about uh, Shinnecock, and you brought up, Chris, how many great venues there are close by. But first let's talk about the... uh, National Golf Links and what they do on their, uh, on their 19th hole. Yeah, in their the, the,
1: the, the National Golf Links, which is right next door, the, the golf is basically butt up against each other, and it's where you see the uh, the windmill in the background uh, that you'll see on a lot of the, the TV shots. But uh, National Golf Links, they serve uh, lobsters for lunch. And when I say lobsters, uh, they just bring out a big bowl of lobster and you... You eat until you're happy, I think. But uh, I have not experienced that yet, but yeah. hope to at uh, some point in the near future. But they say it's the best golf and lunch. I mean, it's the best best lunch in golf. Right, exactly. But, uh, there, you know, that area is just a wealth of unbelievably great golf, and especially from the golden age of golf course architecture. You've got uh, National Golf Links, um, Shinnecock, uh, a couple of new golf courses: Sabonic, which is a, a great layout. Uh, another core: Crunshaw Design, uh, Friars Head. You've got Maidstone, which is a top ten golf course in the country, um, and just a, a wealth of other great, great golf. It's that that landscape is so perfect for dunesy, sandy, uh, windy weather, and it's uh,
0: it's just great. It makes for great golf venues. It sounds like a lot of the guys have been playing. Uh, go, I mean, obviously, they're getting ready for the Open, but playing for fun, too, lately around these different courses. The last uh, week or two there, I heard uh, Rory, when you said Friars Head, I thought, that's the course that Rory just yeah. said. So, you know when you're the uh, proprietor at Friars Head and Rory says, I've always wanted to play there, you're thinking... We got a pretty good golf course. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Friars had has a you know uh, the original golf pro there was
1: uh, Jim Kidd, who's a Minnesota guy. His dad uh, Bill Kidd, and Grandpa Billy Kidd, were the uh, longtime pros at Interlocking Country Club, and so uh, Jim was the the first golf professional there. Uh, he was at Sandhills in Nebraska, and then went went there. So quite a uh, some great venues Bill's been or Jim's been at.
0: Tough to make a pick. It would be great for golf, obviously, if Tiger or Phil won, and uh, if they were coming down on Sunday against each other or at least all in the mix, that would be something. I kind of have a, uh, if it's just superstition or whatever, I think some of these back-to-back things that happen in sports in kind of unique ways. So if Dustin won, he would have won back-to-back tournaments, and he would have won his second U.S. Open. So uh, not necessarily back-to-back there, but two of each. Yes. So I don't know. It's going to be fun. Is that your pick, Mac? I think Dustin's going to win. All right, I uh,
1: I want to pick a dark horse. I'm going to give you Ricky Fowler. Nice for my top ten player. And I'm, you know, I I I think a rookie, Xander Shoffley. (laughs) Yeah, is my other pick. Okay, you know, one of those Lucas Glover type picks. Right,
0: exactly. Go with it. Go with it. (laughs) Well, this is fun. We'll have more fun next week uh, reviewing the U.S. Open, which is almost as fun as uh, previewing it. So we'll be back with that. Chris, thanks a lot. Thank you, Mac. That's Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.
2: Thanks for listening to today's edition of Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Breezy Point Resort, your holiday station store on Mill Avenue and Cross Lake, Maury's Market, Ernie's on Gull, the T-Hive, Halverson Law Office, and the Legacy Courses at Creggins. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. We now return to our regularly scheduled program at 1380-K-L-I-Z, The Fan.